Welcome to Beggar's Bread, a podcast where we invite Christians and truth seekers to engage with thoughtful sources in an age of disinformation. Our name is inspired from the book by D.T. Niles. Evangelism is just one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. Each week, we recommend a source for you, either a sermon, podcast, or video. This week, we're bringing you our second interview, so you don't have to go anywhere for the source. You can stay right here. And the name of this episode is Praying With Our Bodies, because we'll be talking about fasting. And I have here with me today, Charles and Karen, some good friends who have mentored me in my walk of prayer, and um, just been an incredible encouragement to me and several of my friends. And so I was very excited when they they said they would be willing to be interviewed about fasting. Um, So welcome. Thanks for coming today, guys. Thank you, Lou. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, Let me ask, just before we start right into fasting, um, would you be willing and uh, I, you guys mentioned this idea. I love uh, Charles. Do you mind telling us a little bit about Karen's walk with with Christ? And Karen, do you mind telling us a little bit about Charles' walk, just so people have an idea of you know what you what you've gone through, how long you've been following Christ? So what's what I've known Karen since she was eighteen years old, and I knew she became a Christian through a dramatic encounter, which is something I wouldn't imagine I would have when she was 15 years old. She was reading uh, Corrie ten Boom's Hiding Place. Uh, she wrote a book about her walk and about her relationship with God. As you know, Terry um, um, Corrie was a um, Christian, I believe was in Netherlands. Yeah, the Netherlands. Yes. And during World War II, she helped the Jews Jewish people to help them and by hiding them. And she actually suffered because of that. And the book basically described her testimony of her relationship with God and how much joy that she had. And through the book, um, Karen was very impressed. And she was an atheist by the time at the time she was reading the book. So she was anti-God, no God. In fact, almost despise God. And, but after she read the book, she basically just talked to herself and she didn't know it was a prayer. So if you, if you're true God, let me know. And God showed up. So she had a dramatic conversion. And since that point, she had a very dramatic walk and, and very unusual walk with God as far as I know. Of course, I knew of her three years after in college. And, even at that time, three years into her walk with the Lord, she was very much a different person compared to many others that I met in college fellowship or in, in the school. She was unusual in a way that she she was um, her heart was in, in, in pursuing Jesus, and she all that what she wanted was to serve Him, even become a missionary. So that becomes very difficult for me because she is so hard into Jesus. And, <laughs> There's no way I can enter her life. So that was, uh, that's how I met her. But through different ways that we eventually get together and then eventually we got married uh, six, six years later. But even, uh, so I was able to watch her, um, see her walk and, and, and most of her adult life. 
and also her uh, pursuit of God. And what she has done is, is actually also encouraged me to pursue uh, God in my own way. And what I see her doing is what well, has been that she's very wholehearted. And you know, even though they were ups and down through raising a family, through her walk, and also um, even dealing with situations or our situations and, and as we grow in marriage, um, one thing that she never really questioned is the love of God. It has always been in her. And that was essentially what we call non-negotiable. That was not negotiable at all. And despite anything, despite everything that's happened you know, in our adult life and dealing with different social circles, you know, even to the point of some difficulty with dealing with some other relationships, um, she never doubted for a moment that Jesus is in the midst of it. So that's my witness, and that's my um, what I see in her life, and that of course involved a lot of background work to get to that point. Yeah. And one of the things that, of course, one of the topic that is really relevant is the fasting and prayer. Yes. Well, that's that's a beautiful tribute. Thank you for that. Oh. Yeah. What about yeah? What about <laughs> Charles? Tell us tell us all of the details. Um, <laughs> so um, I understand that he grew up in church, but then during his early days, um, it was more a social place and social purpose, and um, it was um, as far back as maybe even ten years old. He started attending churches, whether it's in South America or in America, eventually New York City. Then uh, um, college, freshman year, that's when he had a reckoning where he realized that um, he desires that personal relationship. And once he had a personal relationship with Jesus, then he just started reading the Bible and um, about third year of his college, that's when we met each other. So by the time I met him, um, he, the main thing I would describe him is he's faithful and steady. And um, which I am like an artistic, crazy person and intense, but he's just steady. And that's where depth came in, in his walk with God. And um, all these years, I feel that, um, there's something beautiful about the sense of enduring love that he has towards the Lord. And that's what I see in him. And um, that also translates to prayer or, you know, different parts of his life, even just how he serves in our marriage, in our family life. There's something beautiful in his way of loving that is very enduring, endearing and um steady yeah i see thank you guys for that and that's the word that when charles used wholehearted and when you're using steady as really what i've experienced as someone who has often been welcomed into your home you know Mm -hmm. with your hospitality and the way that you you invite people to be devoted to christ and so thank you for that. I think that I think some people 
may really appreciate that, having no idea who you are from yeah. anybody else. <laughs> but as far as talking about fasting, um, I some listeners, you know, they may fast regularly, but I imagine most of our listeners probably don't. Maybe they've done it once or twice in their lives, or many of them probably have never fasted. And so just to give a brief definition to help us, uh, I just took this from Robert Foster's book, Celebration of Discipline. He, he breaks down a bunch of different chapters on different, um, as you guys know, but um, for our listeners, breaks down different spiritual disciplines. And in fasting, he says, throughout scripture, fasting refers to abstaining from food for spiritual purposes. And then he says, the normal means of fasting involves abstaining from all food, solid or liquid, um, but not from water, typically. Um, so then let me ask you, I know that's kind of just a blanket definition when you fast, what's what's the point of fasting, or why do you fast? I think go back to that that, that definition is actually a very good definition because mm-hmm. the it is a discipline. Uh, discipline, in my mind, meaning it's very achievable. It's achievable. Um, so it's a discipline simply because we have to put our mind. You got to put some effort into it. And simply, because if, even though you imagine it's hard to do, but it's very much a practical, very doable thing. And so as to why we fast, I think it's because especially nowadays in our busy life, you know, we don't really have one hour breakfast or things like that for us to, to as a common practice in our society. Mm-hmm. It's really important to take some time out. Okay. You time ourselves out from all the activities that you know, it's, if you think about it, it's really, and in some sense, even though we're trying to be productive, in many ways it's counterproductive because we're so busy concentrating on accomplishing or doing things. And that counterproductive in, in the sense that it's not good for ourselves, but also it's not really good to um, to distract us away from time spending that needed to spend with with God. In reality, why why are we here? Why why are we doing the things that we do? If you don't have time taken out to reflect on those, there's no way that you're going to spend time thinking about those. But in terms of fasting, it's, 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 actually more trying to do something a little bit better than that. It's actually trying to know God. Um, you know, people talk about, oh, I can, I can multitask. I think that's, a, that's almost oxymoron. You cannot multitask. No one can multitask. You can only <laughs> do one thing at once, any second. That's it. One thing at a time. There's no such thing as multitasking. And so either you either choose to hear God or just sit there and listen to God or you don't. Mm-hmm. We, we cannot really fool ourselves that hey, I'm doing all things, I'm praying at the same time. Yeah, you can do that. But I don't think you're going to do that well. Because you're basically flipping one second to another to do one thing at a time. So fasting in a way is to encourage us, put ourselves in a, in a mindset and also in a literally uh, location that we can hear and read what God is trying to say, because we cannot really hear if we're just talking and doing things all the time. 
So the whole point of fasting is to hear, trying to hear from God. And to do that, you need to have, you need to create space, you need to create a, um, a zone where you can actually have the ability to do that. So if I'm listening to you correctly, it's this idea that we won't be able to hear from God if we're not listening. Like if we don't just stop and listen. It's very difficult. I see. Very difficult. I think for me, fasting, um, I'd probably just use three words. Um, One is to reset. And the second, rhythm. Um, to get into a rhythm with the Lord. And then third is respond. A lot of times nowadays when I fast is because I can clearly hear Holy Spirit is inviting me into that as an invitation. So for me, it's reset, rhythm, and respond. I see. Thank you. Thank you for orienting our, our conversation. My next question is just more of just a question of your personal experience when were when you were you first introduced to fasting as a practice in, in Christianity and from that time early on has anything changed between your perspective of fasting between then and now I'll start because <laughs> mine's kind of funny <laughs> uh, I I think the first um, introduction probably is me reading through the Bible. It's just, you know, when you fast, there's a lot of fasting to, um, in Old Testament and when Jesus teaching about fast. And the first time I fast was actually, um, I wanted to go into mission field and wanted to be single. And there was this guy, Charles, pursuing me. So I decided to fast and ask God to change his mind. So that was my first time of wholehearted seven days no (laughs) and uh and what was funny was during the time of fasting all the different scriptures that god gave me i was like oh no 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 it's going different direction so that was a funny experience so god didn't answer answer your fast then not the way you wanted him to. no (laughs) no yeah he had something else in mind to tell me so that was my first introduction so in, in terms of fasting after, even in college days, um, I think it was more of a watching people, mo- some people modeling that for us. Mm-hmm. Um, so so you've seen people doing it, uh, not necessarily teaching, but they say, hey, let's do a fast. And, they, and, and basically we ended up praying together. We knew that we we're fasting. We knew we we're praying in, for uh, a purpose. So that is um, my orientation to fasting back in college days. And I, I found that kind of difficult because, you know, all my life I was not into, I was not told to fast. I was told to eat three meals a day, eat healthily. And my parents came, every time, one of the conversation point, practically every time is, are you eating well, you know, with my parents? Or culturally, that's what I was accustomed to. You eat. It's yeah. never that you fast. So that was a, a, um, a different, um, almost a culture mindset change. I see. So it wasn't, but it was an interesting concept because I, I knew biblically this, it's a, it's a real thing, but I didn't know how to apply it in my personal life. Right. So, but I was able to watch people do it and, and it, 
it sort of define what fasting can do for you just by modeling other people. I see. So in a lot of ways, Karen reads the Bible and decides to do a fast for seven days because Charles is pursuing her and she doesn't want to be in a relationship. And uh, Charles, you were introduced to fasting by just seeing other people model it by, by doing that. So from that, it sounds like, you know, those are when you guys were in about college. Yeah. How has your view of fasting or has it changed? I don't know. Maybe it hasn't changed in some ways or maybe it has. Yeah. For me, it has changed quite a bit because um, there is a, if I go back to the responding part, there is, um, it, it's like, you know, anything, for example, like um, even just exercise, you know, like maybe when I first started out, I was walking, don't know anything about weights. And then after three, four years, then maybe I get more and more understanding and then eventually maybe I do a mud run, for example, right? So fasting to me is like that. It's been, um, well, I'm in my 50s now. So in my three decades of learning this um, journey, by now, it really, for me, is mostly a responding to what the Lord is tugging on my heart. Whereas in the beginning was like, Oh, this is what I want out of the Lord. Right? I see. Yeah. So that's quite different. Absolutely. Yeah. Changing it from you initiating the fast to mm-hmm. God initiating the fast really is what I'm right. understanding. Right. How about anything for yeah, you, Yeah, for myself. Um, yeah, there are, there are changes in my perspective of fasting and even the attitude going to it. Mm-hmm. It's, I think there's a growth that's as I said, it's one of the disciplines. The more you do it, you know, the, more, the better you are at it. Not so much if improving how we do things. Better in a sense that you are, that becomes part of you. It becomes not a, it's a learned behavior now. As opposed to the beginning, is trying to struggle what it is. And in terms of learning alphabet, right now you're just saying it automatically. So fasting, it's a, it's kind of still intrigues me quite a bit today because uh, I still don't comprehend the full effect of fasting because there, by what I know, what I understood today is there certainly is a physical aspect, and but there is also a much what what done in physical impacts spiritual, and that is the thing that is still a to me is an enigma, but it's a real thing. What we do in physical can impact spiritual, mm-hmm. and and I think that's what I'm. That's a stage I'm, where I'm at, and I that's the sort of um, the growth and understanding that I'm at. That is for me a real. Uh, it's a fact, and so what we do in physical, when we actually take time and purposely doing something that we don't usually do. To honor God, to hear God, put Him at the center, especially at during that time, that impacts something in our self spiritually. But I really believe that impacts something higher than us, and that is something. I think that's the one of the reasons Jesus really emphasized that part of the discipline because it does something for Him. Yeah. I see. And thinking about that, that how that 
you're doing something physically that impacts spiritually and also thinking about earlier one of the three words Karen used was rhythm um, just thinking about as have there been times when you have regularly fasted um, I don't know if that have I tied those questions in exactly well but um, I guess going into this question anyway um, thinking about that that rhythm when have you regularly fasted and is there anything you've noticed in in that in those times or have you I know or even just thinking maybe better switching this question with what Karen was saying almost this idea of responding to what God is initiating have there been times when you've you felt like God has been initiating fasts um on like a regular basis I don't know I don't know it's kind of a yep you make me sense (laughs) thanks you make sense um so I'll I'll share my side of story um if I be totally honest, I think um, ever since my 20s, um, other than the time I was pregnant, nursing, you know, um, those five, six years of mm-hmm. having kids, I would say um, my life has been a life of um, somewhat of a lifestyle of fasting and prayers. Okay. So and, it's a regular thing. Yeah. Yeah. And... Um, full of um, ups and downs and misses and all that. But what I mean by regular is looking at three decades, there is a general storyline of prayer and fasting. So please don't imagine me as someone is like, oh, she's fasting however many days a week and all these 30 years. That That's not what I'm saying. Okay. okay. Yeah, tell me more so, about what you're saying. Because I think that is the image yeah. that I immediately get. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, keep in mind, I know um, probably everybody here doesn't really know my personality, right? So I'm not one that is like, you know, I, I can't even do laundry on the same day every week. I can't, like, <laughs> you know, I am not type A. I'm not um, organized person. Um, so what I meant is, um, for example, like, um, pretty much every year, I feel there is an initiation of the Lord to invite me into some kind of fast. And whenever there's that invitation, there's also a discussion that I talk about it with the Lord. Like, okay, what are you in general talking about? And then I you know, bring my life circumstances, which he knows full well, but then I put that into the calculation. So um, to get a little more specific, when I had kids at home, um, when they would be going to Christian camps and different things, then while they're at camp, I'll be home um, or be in prayer room. And um, because they're not with me, sorry about that, because they're not with me, then I could um, be doing more, uh, you know, like whole fast. Right. I see. And then um, when kids were around, a lot of times I'm doing Daniel fast. So there's always some kind of um, um, seasonal fast that I'm doing. And um, in general, he would give me some kind of general things and certain things to pray about. So that's kind of what I meant. I see. Absolutely. Hope I answered your question. Yes, definitely. Um, it sounds like there are, well, just very practical um, consideration. Like if, if you're a mother... And yeah. if you're pregnant, it may not be the best to be no. fasting. No. Um, yeah. And then even caring for kids and even just having the energy to do that. Right. Um, but then when they're off to a Christian camp, 
um, that sort of uh, prayer on their behalf and yeah. that opportunity. Um, let me ask, I think you mentioned Daniel Fast, and I, I think yeah. that works well into a question that we had later, but we can bring it up now. Um, if someone is limited either by medical um, medical limitations or struggling with a, a healthy relationship with food, so maybe it wouldn't be the best idea for them to fast, um, can you tell me just a little bit about what the Daniel Fast is or, or what that sure. is? Yeah. So Daniel Fast, that term comes from the book of Daniel. And um, he was captured and by the king of Babylon. And as a young man, exceptional young man, um, he was brought before a king. And per king's order, they were supposed to eat the food the king gives them. But Daniel had a petition. Can I abstain from all the king's wine and meat and all the tasty things? So basically, that boils down to water, vegetables, and no luxurious items and no no meat so a lot of times people just call it a daniel fast yeah it's almost similar to vegan diet or vegetarian diet okay so it's abstaining from sweets and meat yeah yeah i think i remember in that story this is more of just a humorous thing but how the the servant of the king was worried that they might become less strengthened that right. they somehow might like become atrophied of their muscles. And then after he sees that Daniel is doing well, he's like, Oh, okay. You can keep eating the carrots. Um. Yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so, so um, I think Daniel fast is something that's actually very doable, you know, for whether it's medical condition, of course, I would say always talk with physician. Right. Um, but I think for our day and age, there is something that's, um, important to consider is actually a media fast because um, we not only the food affects us but in our day the media and what we take in through our eye gates affect us tremendously yeah so i would say you know um if someone struggles with the area of food then don't worry about food consider doing one whole day media fast and um, eventually, as how you feel led by the Lord, consider media fast. Yeah. And I think, so that right there, that distinguishing of don't worry about the food kind of takes it away from this sense of this, like, um, I'm trying to think of the right word, almost like a legalism, but I know we use that word a lot, but mm-hmm. kind of the sense of if I do the right formula, then God is going to do what I want. Mm-hmm. Um like me, the first yeah, time. <laughs> right. That's exactly what I was thinking. When Karen tried to fast to say, I don't want Charles to pursue me. Um, and Charles being like, I'm, I'm very grateful that fast wasn't answered. Uh, <laughs> um, so It did answer. He, well, he did. That's a great point. He did answer, not the way, way that <laughs> Karen wanted. Um, so tell me, if can you help us? I think, well, maybe you already really have painted this other picture of fasting instead of this tool to try and manipulate God or to try and control our circumstance. You've both presented a view of fasting that is a posture of listening, a posture of receiving. Um, So I actually, I was just going to ask you to paint an alternative view. And I'm like, I think they kind of already have. Uh, So I just asked the the next question on the, on the series of questions. Um, When have you fasted, um, for a particular purpose or for a particular time. Um, 
And also because we've talked a little bit about that, I'll just throw out our next question as well so you can choose which one you want to respond to or both. When have you fasted corporately or as a group as opposed to just as an individual? So, um, I think the going on fast, it can be both. It can be both. And I think it's always more of a, when you, when you fast corporately, there is a, it's a special thing. Mm-hmm. Because you knew people, you knew people were doing with you. So there is a camaraderie, even though you may not be right next door, you might not see the person every day or talk about it every day, but the fact that you know that there are people specifically fasting and we're all doing it for the same reason, that adds something to your fast. It's almost like a team. It's a very tight uh, sports team. You all know what you do. You know, you're in this together. Yeah, you're exercising. You're exercising spiritual strength, spiritual. Uh, it's a spiritual exercise, and y'all doing it. You know you're doing it because you say you are. And a lot of time, you cannot just see the other person shrinking down. <laughs> you, know, they, you know they're doing it. Like and you mean their physical disposition? Yeah. Just they look they a little. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, especially those like really heavy duty <laughs> prayer warriors. <laughs> when they say they fast, they, they mean yeah. water fast, you know? Yeah. Oh, so, I see. I don't think anybody, nowadays, I don't think anybody sort of, um, we can't expect everyone to be on water fast. Because, right. Simply because of the culture. and But when, when there's a corporate fast, it's mostly given a choice. You fast from something. It could be media, it could be anything. Um but you know that people are intently, it's just like what you said at the beginning, fasting is not so much to conduct, not, not for the, mm-hmm. for doing things, but it's to take time out, to put ourselves in a place where we can hear God, try, try to hear what He is saying to us, and pray back to what He is saying to us, not so much requesting what we want from Him. Mm-hmm. So if, if you have that in mind as a fasting, and you know people around you or even far away places doing the same thing, that really give you courage to keep on going. Give you encouragement to say other people are doing the same thing. It's very much like a Hebrews saying that there are many brothers who are going through the same thing. In that case, it's suffering. Mm-hmm. Um, many people are going through the same thing. And you know that historically people have done it and you're going through the same thing, so what you're going through is nothing unusual. So you give encouragement to, to keep on going, to persevere. And in the, what we're talking about now is fasting, and keep, it helps you to, to persevere in the fasting, because it does take a lot of, like sports, it's a mind game. Yeah. It may be very much so. And people can quit in the middle of fast very easily, because it's... It's exhausting. That's right. And also, it's easy just just pick up something. Just do what you normally would do. So it is a, a lot of times it's a, it's the, the fact of knowing people are with you, just running a race, you know, people are there hurrying you on the sideline. You run better that way. So this is very similar when you know people around you or you know people are doing this along with you. 
that makes your fasting or the pursuit of fasting much easier, but also it gives you a lot of so inner strength to keep on going what you intend to do. I have an example. So um, this year, um, um, I had a luxury of doing something. I mean, this sounds weird, but I've always dreamed about um, finding time just to go away, extensive time, and just um, being in prayers and um, spending hours with the Lord and the Word and all that. Um, so this year I had a luxury that um, I was um, away from home and um, being a prayer room situation, and it was a corporate fast. And um, it started on March 1st. And um, I literally, you know, uh, hundreds of people were around. Wow. And yeah. And then it's not like, oh, you know, who and who is doing water fasting. That that is not the point. But the fact that you know, more than hundred people were all there, and we know we're there for the same reason. We're there to seek the Lord. We're there to pray for our nation, pray for the lost, and carry one another in our hearts, and just different things that. Um, so um, by the time is, you know, the tenth day. It was very obvious who were doing water fast. And <laughs> yeah, for, I believe, I bet. yeah, yeah. And for me, it was very moving. I was not doing the water fast, but it was very moving. It's almost holy to watch some of the sixties um, and sixty um, and older, and then some are 30, 20, 40, just different ones, and we're all in it together. And we are all sitting there depending on the grace of the Lord. And at the same time, we're all hungry for him. And it was just um, tremendous strength in the sense that we're being able to be together. And during that time, Charles, because of work, he was home. And he was doing Daniel fast. Hopefully he doesn't mind me saying that. <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> So we were not together, but we were connected in the sense that we're running for the same thing. Then lockdown happened in the middle of it. It was a 40-day fast. Oh, this is... Yes, this year. This March? Yes, this Right year. before the lockdown mm-hmm. for the pandemic. Yeah, okay. March. And then lockdown happened, so um, change of plan. And uh, um, my kids drove me home. And then I came home. And then um, once I'm home, I put on the mom's hat. And very quickly, it became harder and harder for me to, I was doing a liquid fast. It was harder and harder for me to um, balance between my hunger and desire to keep going with my fast, as well as my desire to love my kids and my husband. So it was a, it was a great um, experience. Um, so toward the last 10 days of the fast, I could only do Daniel fast. Um, but I, I had the grace. I didn't feel guilty. I didn't feel victorious. None of that was important, but it was just, we were all part of this whole thing that Lord will crying out to you. And later on, I learned that, um, as all of us knew during lockdown, um, a lot more prayers were happening Yeah. that, um, by the end of the 40 day fast, um, 
a conservative count was more than hundred thousand people joined this whole global forty day fast. Wow! So it was very encouraging, and um, I do want to point out one thing I've learned is that um, as I learn in this journey of fasting, one thing I find is super important is to spend a lot of time in the Word of God, because even as our um, physical, natural part is um, to some degrees getting weaker or having deferment, um, it's super important that I'm very engaged with the Word of God and feeding my spirit, feeding my emotion with the superior food. Yeah. I see. And this sense of there's almost a vacuum, like when we fast, we're creating a vacuum. Yes. So you're, there's, yes. I've heard this discussed by other people. I mean, just mm-hmm. when I was thinking about fasting, it's one of those topics, which as with everything, I hope to be researching um, to be aware of just what I'm talking about. But I remember one of the speakers that I was listening to was talking about the passage, I think it might be in Luke, but I'm not sure, where the demon is cast out of a woman mm-hmm. and then... The person, you know, cleans up their house. In other words, like their inner life looks orderly and then, but it's like a vacuum. And then this demon brings along seven of his buddies and comes back and occupies her soul. And um, not that at, for this purpose, we're not necessarily talking about spiritual warfare in this episode, um, but still that idea of a vacuum. So um, this, I, and I am very grateful for just the very, real and vulnerable sharing of these stories and these experiences. Um, I imagine many of our listeners may be thinking right now, oh, I, a water fast, a liquid fast, uh, fasting for 40 days or even seven days. Um, I don't know about this. This is, this is really overwhelming. Um, man, I can't wait till next week's episode. Uh, so tell us, (laughs) <laughs> what advice would you have for someone who's never fasted before and they perhaps they think like, oh, I, I do desire that to be in conversation with God. That's I think that's a thread I've heard through this interview is this idea of hearing God, crying out to God, this back and forth. And so there's maybe this desire, but there's this it almost views like this titan of prayer, like I cannot approach that. Um, what would you tell or how would you encourage someone and just practical advice when they're thinking about fasting, but they're thinking, that's not really for me? I think um, I'll start out by saying a mentality thing. Earlier I mentioned about um, exercise and mud run. I, I know there are people who just go and do a mud run cold turkey. But then if you're thinking that I want to have a lifestyle of health and strength, and mobility and function and all that. And then mud run, doing it with a group of five people as the goal. Then maybe start a year, three years ahead of time, right? And then by the time you do a mud run, it's not so painful anymore. You've trained yourself and you're able to do it and you do it with a group of friends. So back to fasting. Um, I would really recommend that start with just one, whether it's one meal or just one thing, right? And then do it with one friend and um, develop it after one month. Then maybe talk about, hey, let's 
um, pick it up a little bit. Let's read through the whole gospel together for our next time of fasting. It could still just be one meal, one you know, just so pick different areas. Really think about it like a a venture to grow the spiritual muscle in this area. Um, don't jump into the Moses forty days, no food, no water, <laughs> and the holy encounter with the Lord. I mean, like you know, don't don't go that route. That I would see. be my suggestion. <laughs> yeah. But the whole idea is you look you look into fasting and prayer as a try. You are actually putting yourself to experience the grace of God to pull you through that experience. And so it's at the end, no one can actually do this well on their own. They the extreme would be water fast. I don't think anybody's gonna at the end of fast they say they did it themselves. There's no way they're gonna say. There's no way. They have this inner strength that came in as they um, put themselves in a place where they really desperate want to hear God and God at the same time, even though God fed them spiritually, He also helped them physically as well. So that is very common storyline when people actually finish the water day, forty-day um, water fast. They don't do this on their own at all. So no one should ever do this. Hey, I'm just going to do this without actually. Saying they're doing this with God, there's no way, right? And fasting, I think there is anybody can do a fast. Um, of course, we're not going by the definition of fasters, like it's just water fast, but you can do a fast a meal, water fast a meal. I don't think this in our culture it's, it looks almost like that's not normal, but there is anybody can fast a meal. There is no reason that you cannot fast a meal, even if you have medical condition. Um, sure, you might if you if you're diabetic, for example, and you have this sugar problems, you may fast from a group of food, like that Daniel fast type approach. Yeah. Be smart and take, be intentional in taking out a group of food. You can survive. Anybody can survive that, whatever medical condition. And, and those kind of things, of course, if you like to, yeah, speak with a doctor. There's one, I don't think a doctor will object you taking out a group of food for a meal. And in fact, he might encourage you to do so. <laughs> <laughs> you mean he might encourage me to stop eating sweets or stop eating <laughs> meat? No donuts. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> yeah. Um, and those kind of, but the whole idea is not to do something to trick ourselves. Again, the whole idea is do something intentional to remind us. We are doing it because we want to take something away from our life so that God can give us something else. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for painting that picture as well, because I think that is way more approachable for someone. And I asked you for those experiences, so I'm not in any way saying no thank you for the other things, <laughs> more just thank you for that that first step, because that, I mean, one meal a day or one meal a week just seems like, oh, yeah, I can do that. I'm sure some people think I forget to eat sometimes anyway. So depending, I mean, me personally, I eat all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, There's two other things I wanted to mention. And um, I know we I had prepared some questions beforehand, but there was one other question I I just thought of as we were talking about this. 
and just as we were as I was getting ready to start the interview, and it's in Isaiah in the Old Testament, um, chapter fifty-eight, and there's a couple of verses on it, but I'll just quote verse six. Uh, the prophet says, "Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke?" And I was wondering. I know this is, I'm kind of springing this question on you, but how does that verse relate to everything we've been talking about? Or how does everything we've been talking about relate to that verse? Um, and I know there's some context, so I'll, I'll let you, I'll open it up for you guys to respond <laughs> however you want to with that. Yeah. So the bigger context of the scripture, I would say that that's all, um, find time to study the context of the scripture. And um, um, so I will skip that part. But if I understand correctly, that um, God is highlighting his desire for a true fast. And, um, and it's very consistent with what God will often say, that he desires obedience more than sacrifice, that he desires justice and righteousness. He desires us to love our neighbors more than the traditions and the rhythm of life that God set up for us to live so that we can live rightly before him. But he also knows our tendency that we can just do the right things without hitting the real purpose, the heart of it. So coming back to fasting and prayer, um, actually, there's a lot to do with it. One is I've found that even individually, whenever I come into fast, it's always like um, Holy Spirit shining a flashlight. It's a Holy Spirit scanning <laughs> of my walk with him. And a lot of times he very lovingly, but very um, straightforwardly, he will tell me these are some of the areas. And oftentimes it could be um, the area that it's not lining up with him relationally or in my relationship with people in my life is not lining up with how he is talking about. And also um, turn it around. I think when it comes to corporate fasting, it's a great way to ask the Lord to cry out to him for the many issues in our generation. Because while we are called to love our neighbors, we are called to bring Father's heart to many issues, but there is a real sense of fighting against the darkness that um, through prayer and fasting together with our action, that we're combating so yes yeah so in terms of that um as i have verse you can use i think for some people that fasting is not the key uh, it's to do things to help the widows the orphans that is what god desires and my point is that's that's great but how are you going to do those well how do you go and how do you understand the widow how do you understand the orphans how do you Get to know them. I don't think we can love them <clears throat> on our own because many of us don't identify well with widows and orphans. Hmm. And to know them, to love them, you need the Father's love. And there is no way we can grow Father's love in us without spending time with the Father. And how do you spend time with the Father? You put yourself in front of the Father. What's one way to put yourself in front of the Father? You fast and pray. So it's connected um, in a way that God wants us to fast for the right reason. That's how I see Isaiah. 
you fast for the right reason, so that you can help the orphans, so that you can help the widows effectively. You don't just give them food. You don't just put them, give them housing. That's great, all good. But how do you, in fact, really help them, give them identity, give them purpose in life, so that they can go on with their life, not just for one day, but for many years to come. And the only way you can do that well is actually you can speak the word of the Father to them, do the things of the Father for them. And again, go back to the thing. How do you know? How do you going to know how to do this? You better, you have to spend time with Father, knowing what the heart of the Father. And that's, that's where the fasting comes in. I see. And that's a vision. What I'm hearing is fasting, your God is going to use fasting to shape you not only this one-time conversation, which of course, a lot of times if there's a crisis or, and like Karen has said, um, that there's a lot of reason for having this podcast. There's a lot of times it feels like there's this flurry of, of media, flurry of noise um, and darkness. I think um, in some ways uh, we do treat this fasting as like a tool to better open the conversation for clarity between us and God. But what Charles just said, I think is really important distinction too, is he said, it might be God shaping you, not just for that conversation, that one time purpose, but this ongoing thing. Yeah. Um, and then there's really one, one last quote I had. And then obviously if, if you have any closing thoughts, we'd obviously love to hear anything else that's lingering. Um, but there's this other quote from um, Foster where he says, uh, we are told not to act miserable when fasting because in point of fact, we are not miserable. And uh, I think that that paradigm for viewing it is a real stump uh, for me, a real stumper like, oh, what? I'm not miserable. I love eating. I am miserable. Um, can you speak a little bit into that? Uh, <laughs> that sense of, oh, I don't want to fast. I think that, that to be, I think to be honest is really good. So you say, "Hey, I don't really like to do this. I hate doing this. You know, I I like my food and stuff." Right. <laughs> and that's fine. There's no, there's absolutely fine to tell God that as you're going through fast, because you'll be honest. You're not, you're not covering. Just like you don't want to be miserable, pretend to be miserable, and. To show for it and tell people say, "Yeah, look, I'm miserable. I'm suffering here," and 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 what the, I think what the Richard Faster is saying, what's the point even doing that? Telling people you're 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 suffering, because you're not really doing this just for the show. You're doing this to trying to really feel, trying to understand God, trying to be in a closer relationship with God. So. Is that that more important than the the other things that you're worried about? So it's a it's a perspective issue. Um, so, and I don't think there's anything wrong anything wrong if you feel like food is more important than knowing God because that's where you are at the time. If you feel that's something wrong with it, then you that is exactly something you pray about, and you don't have to. You don't have to fast like extended period time, like we talked about earlier to fast a meal. Yeah. And at worst, eight hours will be over quicker than you thought. Right. 
and then you can do whatever you like. But during that eight hours of time, you try to struggle. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with it. And, and, and I think this is different from, uh, you know, Jesus was saying that, you know, if you tell people what you did, you got your reward already. Right. I think this is a little bit different. Um, uh, people actually, Jesus, what Jesus is trying to say is, you know, if you get, to, get, if you get to know what true fasting is about, there's such a joy for insight that will express outward. So there will be that, and and I think that's sort of it's a, it's a it's something for us to look forward to for patient uh, for people who are wanting to to fast, that. This is it's an outward sign that if you're accomplishing your fast, it is a joy. Mm-hmm. If not, you try it again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like workout. I keep mm-hmm. going back to that. Hopefully, some of us have enjoyable workout <laughs> sessions, and some are just like, eh, <laughs> man, you know. And but we keep at it because it's it's right. For us to keep going for a healthy body, right? And um, so this, I I think this very important. Um, I do want to just quickly mention there's some practical things that I I'm sure there are great books out there. And uh, so for people who want to start trying fasting, it might be good just to read a little more. I know um, Bill Bright. He's written some really good articles on practically how to enter into fast, and those kind of advices are wisdom. Um, don't do lots of sugar before you're gonna fast. You know there are certain things you can do to help your body to transition in a more joyful way. <laughs> I see. Yeah. And uh, there are a lot of materials in over the last several decades, apparently, about mm-hmm. fasting because it yeah. is a. I wouldn't say it's a movement, but there is a lot of interest yeah. from both Christian and non-Christian about fasting because it does it does develop something in you yeah. um, in rejecting some of the food and, and put yourself in a place. Of course, as a Christian, we want to approach the Father because it's a real us thing. The Father is a real person that we can encounter, mm-hmm. uh, and by getting rid of the sort of unnecessary things in our life, uh, it does help us to make that encounter uh, more meaningful. Excellent. Well, thank you both for taking the time. Um, And I know you both are very generous with your time and with your space as as people and uh, our listeners may not know, but I know there are lots of demands on your time. So I just want to say thank you for for taking the time to be with us and to share your experiences and and wisdom. Yeah, thank you. Absolutely. Excellent. Well, that's that's a wrap for the the second interview that we've ever had at Beggar's Bread. Uh, Come back next week. We'll be talking about uh, Merchants of Outrage. So... Uh, A little bit different than this week. (laughs) We'll see you next week.